Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity you've given us to come together today, Lord, in fellowship, Lord, and to feast upon your word. Lord, I ask that you would just use me, Lord, as a mouthpiece for the Holy Ghost this morning. God, that you would give us the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this word. Lord, give us the spiritual eyes to see the path as you lay it out before us. And Lord, give us the God, the wisdom that we need to walk in that path. And we thank you and we praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen, you can be seated. We've been talking about when you come into the congregation, amen, coming into the congregation and what is required and what things are expected of the people of God when we enter into the congregation. We're going to continue with that today, amen. Uh, I believe this is part three uh, at this point. Anyway, uh, when you begin a, a new job, it's... It's not unlike what happens when we come to the congregation of the Lord. When you begin a new job, you, of course, answer a call, usually a, a won't add or what have you. You go to looking for people that are looking for somebody to work for them. And, and you find a place that says help wanted or you find a place that's looking for uh, somebody to hire. And... You go to a place that says, now hiring, and, and you fill out an application or a resume. Amen. You have, to, you have to give your qualifications and, and all of those things, and, and you go to a place that is accepting applications or accepting resumes. Amen. So, usually the company will send somebody, if they're a big company especially, they will send them to a recruiter, a recruiting agent, to recruit new talent for their position that they have open or the positions uh, that they have. And they want a hiring firm to go and, and seek them out and go through the, the vetting process and and all of that, and, and the qualifications process and all that kind of stuff. So when all that takes place, folks, you don't just enter into a company that you go to work for any kind of way you want to. You don't just go in there and enter in any kind of way you want to and live by your standards or your rules. They have rules and regulations. Sometimes they even have uniforms. Amen. All sorts of things that you you have to uh, apply or that apply to you. Amen. Give me that first set of scriptures there, brother. I believe it's uh, Matthew. Let me Matthew nine thirty seven is what I want. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Amen. So this is the call of God. Another place where he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So here's the call. This is the call. This is the help wanted. This is the uh, now hiring. Now taking applications, it should 
uh, would be a better way of putting it. And that's exactly what this is. God didn't just say, hey, I'll take you. I'll take anybody. I'll take you just as you are. Come on in. No, no, no. No rules, regulations. Just come on in. You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. Skippity-doo-dah-day. No, that's not how it works. What God says is now taking applications. That's exactly what God's talking about. Amen. Listen. He told his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. The laborers are few. We need more laborers is what he was saying. No, we don't need liabilities, church. You need to understand, Jesus didn't need more liabilities. What he needed was laborers that are willing to bring in the harvest. Let me tell you something, folks. You don't harvest something if it's no good. You don't harvest something that's not ready to harvest. You don't harvest something once it's past the harvest. You harvest the choicest of the field. And you're very picky at what you put in to the keeping and what you throw out. You don't just take everything you reap in out of the field... You have what's called a separation. You have what's called a separators. People that are separators, if you're doing it by hand, they put the sheep on one side and the goats on the other. You put it all in one wagon to bring it to the barn, but then somebody's got to go through it because if you leave the bad in with the good, the bad will corrupt the good. Does everybody understand that? Apples is a prime example of it, but it goes for everything. Bad food has something wrong with it. When it's already bad, it has a fungus or it has something in it that will continue and it will spread throughout all the good until it, until it null and voids the entire crop. So you have to separate the bad from the good. You don't just store it up with the good. There has to be a separation. This is why the Lord said, and we'll be looking at that here in just a little bit, when He said, when you enter into a town, you need to seek out who there is worthy, who is good enough and worthy to bring in to the barn, to bring in to the sheepfold. I'm not going to bring a diseased sheep into this flock. You don't bring something into the flock of, uh, of healthy sheep that's going to kill every last one of them. Because the health of the good ones is not going to heal the sick one. The sickness of the one sick one is going to infect the good ones. You see how that works? You can take somebody that's got the plague and put them in the midst of 10,000 people that are the healthiest people on this planet. And all that health is not going to have any effect on the one that's sick. It's that one that's sick will kill every last one in that congregation. Period. See how a little leaven leaveneth the lump. So don't ever try to convince me that God just said bring them all. Bring them all and just let them come in. Oh, no, no, no. Uh Uh-uh. No, no. Fill out the application in triplicate. 
and let me read it. Let me look at it. Let me investigate it. I want to know where you come from. I want to know what you've been in. I want to know what you believe. I want to know what you think. I want to know what your, what your doctrine is. And I want you to absolutely know up front what I am. I want you to know up front what we stand for. Amen. Now, when you do that, when you go and apply... For that job, you have to go, what's the first thing you do? Brother Quick, when you, when you get hired in these big companies, Brother Edward, what is it, what's the first thing you do once you get hired? You go to orientation. That's right. Of course, Brother Quick never did that. He didn't worry about all. He just, nah, nah, man, don't worry about it. Just, just wing it, man. You know, it's whatever you want to do. Yeah. Anything you want to do, just wing it. I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about these guys you hired. As the hiring man, just tell them. You just told them, hey, look, just come on in and do it. We don't care. You know, we hired you because you know what you're doing. So you just go ahead and take over. Here, here's all the, here's the credit cards. Here's, what car do you want? You, you want a Lincoln? You want a, oh, you want a Rolls? No problem. Get him a Rolls Royce. Get him a Bentley. And, and then you say, well, look, go on and do whatever you want to do. Just do it any way you want to because we just have all up the utmost confidence in you that whatever you do is going to be right. So make us lots of money. Here you go. See you later. Here's all the credit cards. Uh, start anywhere you want. Germany, France, Italy, Spain, wherever you want to go. Just take off. Just, uh, you know, go, go do something. Make us some money. Is that how it works? I don't believe so. I think what happens is they go to an orientation. What's an orientation? It's not the Orient. No, it's not a place over in the, in the Oriental rice fields of of Japan or, or China? No. Oriental plantation? No. It is delicious. Yes, and it's uh, yeah, very, very, very good. And so, so what happens is they come in, and you tell them all about the company. You tell them about the company's standards. You tell them about the company's policies. You tell them about the company's rules. You tell them absolutely about the things that are the idiosyncrasies of the powers that be. In other words, you say, let me tell you something. What do you ever do? Don't never look so-and-so in the eye because he'll fire you right there. Don't ever. I mean, oh, man, whatever you do, dear God, don't ever do this because, man, you know, a lot of good people have lost their job because of that right there. Whatever you do, don't do this. There's always somebody to orient you on, on what is the do's and the don'ts. And what are the absolute no-nos, man? But they, and you, that, buddy, that's going to be in there every time. There's always going to be certain things that are deal breakers right off the bat. If you ever want to, buddy, if you if you want to keep your job here, whatever you do, don't ever do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Protocol. Absolute protocol. That's right. And you need to know all the standards. This is the company standard. Well, oh, we used to do that for the. First of all, I don't, ever, I don't care how you used to do it, okay? How you used to do it, that was when you worked for them. You don't work for them. You work for me now, okay? So you can do it my way, or you can hit that door right there, and it'll be no harm, no, you know, no, no, harm, no foul at this point. But let me tell you right now, if you got any of that, uh, this is how we used to do it, garbage in your mind, then you need to go on back over where you was, because that's not going to work over here. This is a, a separate company. We're a different company. We're not like any other company on the earth. We got where we are by doing it the way we do it. And we're not interested in going any other direction. We're going to do it this way. It's the only way. It's my way or the highway. End of story. This is how we do it. So don't, let me, don't ever let me hear that come out of your mouth again, how you used to do it. Okay? That part of you is gone. Listen, 
even Paul said, and this should be in the, this should be in orientation, is, you know, Paul said, <laughs> the Bible says that, uh, you know, uh, uh, I consider not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. So that's what you need to do. Forget that which is behind or carry your behind out there where you used to be. So, uh, so you tell them, you tell them how you do it, what they need to do, how everything is. And, uh, and you know what, you know what the Bible even, it's almost like the Bible mentioned something like that. I don't know, you know, kind of vaguely. Vaguely mentioned something. I don't know, somewhere, I probably, or somewhere around, I don't know, probably around Matthew. I don't know, I'm thinking maybe if I had to take a guess, maybe around chapter 11. And I, I, I don't know, could possibly be somewhere around verse 29. I don't know, somewhere in that area, I'm just taking a guess here, wild guess. But I believe it says something like, uh, Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Hmm. My goodness, what would that be? Learn of me. That's orientation. God said, look, come unto me all you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But he didn't just leave it at that. Well, that's where everybody else leaves it. That's where everybody else that has churches, that's where they leave it. Come one, come all. It's like we're going to a circus. Come one, come all. You know, no, that's not how it works. He immediately followed with, hey, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. In other words, here, yoke up with this wagon because this is what you're going to be doing. If you want me, you need to learn of me first. God didn't blindly just throw this mess on you. He said, learn of me. I want you to know who I am. I want you to know what I require. I want you to know my commandments. I want you to know my standards. I want you to know my rules and my regulations. It seems like there ought to be something like that in the Bible, doesn't it? Maybe over around Ezekiel. Brother Edward, could it possibly be somewhere like thou son of man? Show the house to the house of Israel. I mean, it was almost like something like that ought to be be in the Word of God like that, right? That they may be ashamed of their iniquities and let them measure the pattern. And if they be ashamed of all that they have done... Show them the form of the house. Amen. Listen, we ain't in your house. We're in God's house. When you work for God, you do it like God. That's the bottom line. So, we're going to show you in this orientation the form of the house. This is exactly what the Lord told him. This is what he told Ezekiel. You go over there and you orient these people on how they're going to act if they're going to be in my house. My house don't do that. Those people are not going to do that mess in my house. That's over with. And that's what he's saying. They were doing it, and he said, that's over with. That ain't going to happen no more. You're going to show them, you're going to show the house of Israel the form of this house. If you're going to be with me, you're going to do it my way. This is orientation. He said, the form of the house and the fashion thereof, How this house is fashioned together. How this house is done. How this house is built. Amen. With the foundation it's built upon. The rules and regulations. He said, the the fashion thereof, how this came about, and the goings out thereof, and the coming in. The comings in thereof. And all the forms thereof. All the different forms of going out and coming in. Notice how it said all the forms thereof several times here, okay? So the forms thereof in this uh, uh, context is talking about what was before it. 
it said, and the goings out thereof and the comings in. And then immediately it says, thereof and all the forms thereof. So it means all the forms of the goings out and the comings in of. Not just the going out and coming in, but all the forms of going out. In other words, these are the things that are acceptable. These are all the things that are acceptable going out of this house. And these are the only things that are acceptable coming into this house. These are the only things that are going to be allowed to come in. And these are the only things that are going to be allowed to go out. Let me tell you something, church. Whatever's allowed to come in here and whatever is allowed to go out of here is the same thing. Just a stronger degree of it. What's allowed to come through them doors uh, is, is a certain set of standards. Is allowed. But let me tell you, and make no mistake about it, what's allowed to go out of these doors is a much higher standard than what's allowed to come in it. Because what come in it can be any degree of knowledge and understanding for a little while. What goes out of here cannot be what came in here. What goes out of here is much more than what came in it. It's required. Because what? To whom what? Shall be much required. Amen. So you see, once you know it, you got to apply it. So that means when we come in here, we should leave better than we came. Amen? Okay, so all the forms thereof. And and all the laws thereof. Uh-oh. Why do want laws? Where does that come in? Well, we can't have laws in the house of God. Surely not. And write it. Oh, it says, and all the ordinances thereof, and all the forms thereof. So all the forms of the ordinances, all the forms that are allowed, all the forms that are required. How everything is to be formed in the house of God. And all the laws thereof, and write it in their sight, that they may keep the whole form thereof, and all the ordinances thereof, and do them. So, what am I doing? You know what I'm doing, Sister Erica? What am I doing right now? We are, yes. But you know what I'm doing? What does that say? That's what I'm doing right now. I'm writing all this stuff in your sight. I'm writing all of it right before your very eyes. I'm not just reading the book. I'm not just going through the book. I'm not just giving you a scripture. Amen. I'm writing it. I'm writing it on your hearts and minds. I'm writing it in your sight right now. We're going through the Word. I'm etching it. I, it's just like if you didn't have it. See, they, people didn't used to have a copy of this law. People didn't used to have this. Man, you talking about, boy, it was, you know, they had to pin this stuff, and it was so meticulously. I mean, they couldn't re- rely on somebody having a copy of this. I mean, buddy, you know, the great, great, uh, uh, stringent uh, uh, way that they wrote this stuff, man, the scribes and the Pharisees and all these, and the scribes that scribed this stuff, buddy. Oh, my goodness, man. There was such a, such a system that they had to copy it. And, but it was followed very, very, uh, uh, very, very stringently. So people didn't have this book in their hand. So he would, they would write it 
in their sight, write it, where they would have a copy of whatever he was teaching them. He would write it. They would write it. When they come in the house, they got a writing of whatever's required, the rules, the regulations, and all those things that were required. If you're going to be part of the Christian uh, or, or part of, uh, of Israel, you're going to be part of this house, the house of Israel, God's people, you're going to have to know the rules, the regulations, the commandments, the do's, the don'ts. You're going to have to be orientated. You're going to have to know what's allowed and what is absolutely not acceptable. Okay. Write it in their sight that they may keep the whole form thereof and all the ordinances thereof and do them. Before they can keep all the ordinances, guess what? they got to know the ordinances. Amen. Before you know the rules of this house, before you keep them, you got to know them. Praise God. I'm t- I try to be very thorough with that. I try to be very thorough with those things. I don't just tell you, hey, don't do this. Because that throws up a fight or flight response. You know, the first time you tell somebody no, oh, oh no, he didn't, you know, it just throws that, it throws that, uh, that automatic response of this rebellious nature and spirit of man. I don't just say, hey, don't do that. I said, don't, let me tell you why we don't do that. Let me drop a thought in your mind. <laughs> reason we don't do that is because here's what the Bible says, here's what the Bible says, and then this is why it says it. We go over here and you see why it was said, and then you can go over here and here's an instance of it where it wasn't kept. And then here's another instance of it where it wasn't kept and see how God turned them into a little puff of smoke, see how the earth swallowed all these people up, and see how this woman was a very beautiful woman one day and she's an old hag dead and, dead and in her grave the next day. See, that's why we don't do that. Yeah, because it don't work. And there you have it. Uh, this is the law of the house. Upon the top of the mountain, the whole limit thereof round about shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the house. Everything around this place is most holy. Everything around the people of God is most holy. All right, brother. Now, another instance of this orientation. Then brought he me the way of the north gate before the house, and I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord, and I fell upon my face. Praise God. And the Lord said unto me, Son of man, mark well and behold with thine eyes and hear with thine ears all that I say unto thee concerning all the ordinances of the house. We went through this earlier in this, in this message, but it applies very significantly to this part we're talking about right here. We need to hear, see with our eyes, mark it well, behold it with our ears, hear it with our ears. The things that he said concerning all the ordinances of the house of the Lord and all the laws thereof, and mark well the entering in thereof, uh, entering in of the house with every going forth of the sanctuary. Amen. It's what we were just talking about recently. And this is just, this is just the very next, or, or uh, just a few chapters away. Now, and thou shalt say to the rebellious, even to the house of Israel, church, does this sound like it could apply to you? Explain it to me, sister, quick. How does this apply to you? No, you're the thou. 
Okay, now, okay. So, yeah, because see what he's doing. He's talking to, he's talking to Ezekiel. Ezekiel's doing right. I'm assuming you're doing right. You're not walking around with the belly of the spirit, are you? Okay, you don't look like a witchy foo today. So, and so anyway, okay. You're not practicing witchcraft or anything, are you? Okay, good. Okay, so if you're one of the vows, like Ezekiel was, okay, how can this apply to you? So here's the Lord talking to you. So tell me how this applies to us today. Does this not apply to us today? Look at this. Go ahead. And thou shalt say to the rebellious, even to the house of Israel. You know what? Even to the people that think they're the church. They think they're like us. Okay? To the house of Israel. Okay, so what do you... What does God expect us to say to the house of Israel? The rebellious people, even the house of Israel, even the people that think they're the house of Israel, but in their rebellion, they don't even realize it, but they're not the house of Israel. Even the rebellious ones that say, I don't believe you have to do all that. Well, yeah, I know y'all believe this, y'all, be, y'all the wrong. We don't, I don't believe you have to do all that. I don't believe. Every one of us know people in our families that say that same mess. Okay, so what does God say we're supposed to do about that? That's right. See what he said right here? Thus saith the Lord God, O ye house of Israel, let it suffice you of all your abominations. We are the ones that are that salt that comes in and says, you know what? You need to stop that mess right there and let let what you've already done be enough. You've done enough. Here's what the Word of God says. Put that mess behind you. Here's what the Word of God says. And that ye have brought into my sanctuary strangers uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh... He was sending Ezekiel to tell the house of Israel and the powers that be that had allowed all this nonsense to go on in their church, allowed all that nonsense to go on the sanctuary. You know what they did? They were putting their little signs out that says, Come as you are, let Jesus make the change. Let Yah Make the change, see? Let Yah, which was Yahweh, let Yah make the change, see? Come as you are. They were letting people come in that were not circumcised when the Lord said, you don't come in here uncircumcised. You can't come in here out of covenant. Only covenanted people are allowed. That's what God said. If if you ain't, if you're not serious enough to get in covenant with me, get out of my house. My blessings are in this house. They're not for you. You need to understand something. You cannot bring the enemy in the house of God and let them reap the benefits of servitude, amen, when they're not servants of God. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout. Praise God. This ain't for everybody. This is for those that are willing to humble themselves and seek His face and commit themselves to His way, not your way. The favor of God is on the house of God and the people of God. His blessings are in this place. His, bless- His blessings come because of obedience. His blessings don't come for just everybody. Let me tell you something. Let me ask you a question. Sister Erica... You've been working at your job, you know, three, four hundred years now, as it seems anyway. You know, you go in, you do things that nobody else will do, not because you just love it so much. It's just, oh, how could, oh my gosh, it's so good. No, you do it because. Something has to be done. 
And by the time you try to delegate somebody else and convince them that they need to do it and listen to the whining and moaning and complaining and the backbiting and the talking behind your back and the, the little hissy fits and the temper tantrums these little children play, you could have already done it yourself. So you're like, I ain't fool with these idiots. And you know what? And all of a sudden, all the extra mile that you go in your company, and all of a sudden you're the, you're the best-ranked store that they have, and you're making more money than anybody else. And you know what? Why? Because you come in early, you leave late. Anything that can't, nobody else can do, you do it. Even anything that people won't do or haven't done, you just do it because it has to be done, and it's you're in charge. The buck stops here, right? Okay. Now, so let me ask you a question. If the owner of the place comes in, you got people that's been working there three days. You got people that's been working there, you know, uh, uh, a month, some two months, three months. I'm not going to go past that because you probably don't have anybody that's been there past three months other than Brother Malcolm, who's who's just part of the fixture at this point. Amen. Been there. He's part of the building. Yeah. But uh, so, what if the owners come in and say, "You know what? This store's doing so good. Everybody gets a twenty dollar an hour raise." Would that make you happy? Tell me why. That's right. No, that wouldn't make you happy at all. What are you talking about? What? What? People make $8 an hour. You just gave them $20 raise? I've been working here all these years. They're making more tomorrow than I was making all this time, you know. Yeah. Let me tell you something. The blessings of God's people in the house of God are for the obedient of God. This stuff don't just happen, folks. This stuff comes from obedience. It comes from being a soldier and doing those things that nobody else will do. Doing those things that nobody else wants to do. But they'll be the first ones to come in and try to capitalize and eat off your plate when you go earn a big meal from God. And they'll be the first ones to come in and help you eat that plate full of food. But they did nothing. They wouldn't even so much as lift their hand from their plate to their mouth to feed themselves. Not only do they want to share your food, they want you to spoon feed them with, what you, with your silverware. So they ain't got to eat with a plastic fork because they didn't go buy silverware. See? The blessings of God are for the people of God. In that ye have brought into my sanctuary. First of all, you need to get something very clear in your mind. This ain't your sanctuary. This ain't my sanctuary. This is God's sanctuary. This is a sanctuary for the people of God. This is a place that God has instituted and set aside. Listen. And we're going to be talking about this. This is a place. Listen. The Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. Why? Why? Now, that doesn't mean you can miss, you can miss church and stuff like that. It doesn't mean that. Not at all. The Bible expressly speaks against that. Sabbath day is for the Lord and Him only, period. But 
What did it mean that the Sabbath was made for man? Not only was it to honor God, the Lord didn't need rest. He didn't need rest. When he said he rested, it wasn't because he was tired. God don't get tired. He rested. He took a respite. He ceased from what he was doing and sat back and looked upon what he had done. He took some time to stand back and look at his handiwork. And that's exactly what we do on the Sabbath. We get our minds off of our lives and all the things we've done, and we step back and we take a look at His handiwork as well, and we become thankful. We even look at the the past week that we were involved in, and we look at the handiwork of God through us, and we say, well, thank you, Lord, for helping me get this, 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 and that done this week. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to overcome my health to be good, and this and that and the other. And we look back, and this is a time for us to set aside to give Him our undivided attention, And to put and give honor where honor is due. Because he deserves all the glory. So we were given this time to rest as well. Because we are physical people and we need rest. And God said you need to take some time aside to rest. You need to take some time aside to spend with me. And refocus your attention on me because this is I'm the I'm the how long would it take you missing church to take your focus off of God and put it all on you? Yeah, wouldn't take long at all. No time. Yeah, yeah, because you put it all on you, on your agenda, your your happenings, your go, everything going on in your house and your life and all those things. But God said you're gonna you're gonna set a time every seven days. The seventh day you're gonna you're gonna take one out of seven days and you're gonna give it to me. And you're going to focus on me. You're going to read my word. You're going to study me. And you're going to find the rules for what you're about to do next. You're going to see where you went wrong the week before. And you're going to correct it the week coming up. Amen. And you're going to see how you went wrong and how you need to do better. And I'm going to show you how you're going to improve. And I'm going to show you how to... I'm going to teach you new things every week as I see fit that you can accept and understand. I'm going to teach it to you at your speed. And I'm going to speed you up a little bit so your speed increases and you become wiser, quicker, stronger. God's wisdom is unsearchable. His word is a masterpiece of wisdom. His wisdom works every time. And he wrote this centuries and centuries, millennia ago. (laughs) That's a pretty smart God. And it's still working. And you know what? It's going to work until everything we know is history. It's going to work flawlessly and perfectly. Amen. He said, you brought into my sanctuary strangers. See that? So what does that mean? Strangers ain't allowed here. Strangers are not allowed in the, in the house of God. Do you see that? Is that what that word says? That's exactly what that word says. What does it mean, strangers? People that are strangers to this, people that are the, I, I don't believe you have to do all that stuff. The people that are, the people that are strangers to this, Before they come in here, they need to know something about what's going on in here. Especially this church. Because this ain't just your status quo church. This ain't your your entry-level church for most folks. Huh? Yeah, I know. I know that. But you know what? 
Yeah, God, yeah, he warned him. That's why he didn't come for quite a while. But, but you know what? He gave you a chance to miss. You chose to come. And I, I could see in your eye, you were a real tough read, man. I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I'm a good reader. I'm good at reading what people are thinking and all that. I had a hard time getting a read on you because you was looking at me like, this guy's out of his ever-loving mind. I'm going to crack him in the head with a chair right now, you know. And But you know what? And then she got used to me picking on her because I'm always going to pick on you. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's good because that's that to me speaks longevity. Somebody comes in, oh, my God, oh, you know, uh, you've been here two days. And I'm like, man, I was hoping they would stay, you know. Huh? But they, yeah, but they never do. They don't. People come up, come unglued like that. They don't stay. But the ones that are standing back say, man, I don't know if I believe that or not, you know, or oh, I don't know how to take that. Huh? Lodabar? Oh, load Oh no, no. She was talk. Uh, what she talked about was uh, the. Uh, no, the one thing she kept saying is the uh, Rama word. The Rama, I heard her say that a thousand times. The Rama word. I could tell me right there who she's been listening to. You know, huh? It, yeah, it's you know, and there's preachers that talk about the rhema word and all this kind of stuff, and they have a rhema word, you know, yeah, 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 get you some, i got to ram your word too, but, you know. Oh, man, yeah, don't even get me started. Yeah, and they, they, they think they're going to be Jewish. <laughs> yeah, man, just let it go, you know, just let it go, yeah. But, I, yeah, she was a... Strange tool, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm straight up German, dude. So you know. Now, okay. And I love the Jewish people. I'm a Jewish people loving German. Oh, I love them. I love them, buddy. Because let me tell you something. I love them, and I love the way they are. I love the fact they're not serving Jesus. Because if they were serving Jesus, I wouldn't be here. Huh. It's the re- They're not serving Jesus. That's what let me in. And by the time they get back, I'm going to be dug in like a tick, buddy. <laughs> I'll be dug in like a dog tick on a sabo dog, son. <laughs> July, I'm talking about. I'll be fat, boy. And if one of you opens your mouth. Right now, you better not yes and amen and hallelujah, nothing. Everybody's silent. You've been silent all morning. You better not jump in now. <laughs> Just burst your balloon, didn't I, Sister Erica, who was fixing to say, Pray God, amen, amen. <laughs> now, so he said, In that ye have brought into my sanctuary strangers uncircumcised in heart. We may never get off this verse for the next six weeks. I don't know. Because let me tell you something right here. Look at all the messages that's in this one scripture. We ain't even first the first line yet. Because listen, there's another sermon that we can talk about right this minute. Another thing that he's saying right here. There's so much he's saying right here. You need to understand, honey, this ain't your sanctuary. This is God's sanctuary. He said, my sanctuary. 
you. He started out with ye. Ye. There's the problem right there. Ye. Ye have brought into my. Ye and my don't fly. Ooh, that's good, wasn't it? Man, I surprise myself sometimes. I'm good, ain't I? Man, yeah, ye and my don't fly. Man, ye my don't fly. So, what you need to do is keep ye out of my. Because that's his sanctuary. So we don't judge. You can, listen, that's why he gave us the book. It's not up to you who comes into his sanctuary. You may have a different idea. You may say, well, that don't seem right to me. I think, you know, well, dear God, how in the world can they can't come in? I mean, how are they going? Yeah, that's not up to you. Jesus gave us specifically strict instructions on how to do things. Why? Because you're not seeing the big picture. I'm not seeing the big picture. I can't see those people's lives. I can't see their heart. All I can see is the outward appearance. Let me ask you something, Brother Brother Q. How many people you know in these big churches you've been to? And you, you've been in some big churches. There's one right close to us here. And, you know, some of them people. Now, come on, brother. You know how holy they look. Woo, man. I mean, they ought to, be, they ought to have some H keys hanging. H keys hanging all over their belt right here. Heaven keys. They just uh, just got the heaven keys hanging. Broke out in heaven keys all over. Just uh, You just take the back of the shirt up and just, heaven, I'm in. I mean, just you, you just think, oh, my gosh, how can... There's the measure of holiness right there. Yeah. And you know what? And then, you know what happens? You go to the store and look down in their basket, and there's a 24-pack of beer on that. Huh? Huh? Yeah! Yeah! And and you're like... Yeah. You see what I'm saying? But you know what, brother? That's why God's in control and we're not. You're seeing what they want you to see. Because man look upon the outward appearance. But I, the Lord... Look upon the heart. I will never forget a same scenario just like that. I had the Holy Ghost. God was getting ready to change me into the ministry. But I still had them cigarettes in my pocket. And I, we had come from church. And there was another couple that lived across over the way that we did just we just loved them. And, 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 and they had a daughter and son-in-law lived right next door, staying with them next door. And... Uh, and my buddy, he was probably 30 years older than me and, and his wife and all, just great people. We loved them. They loved us. And we knew them for years. And, and he smoked and I smoked. And, you know, we was always talking about quitting. And we'd try and we never could, you know. And, and so I came in from church. I never smoked. While I was, even if I was at church, and I smoked my whole life at that point. But I, I got to, I, I, man, for an hour before I went to church, and if we was at church four, six, eight, ten, twelve hours, it didn't matter. I didn't smoke. It didn't even cross my mind to smoke. And I'd leave church and I wouldn't smoke coming back from church either until I got home. Because I didn't want anybody to see me. You know what I mean? I just, I did not want to put a stumbling block in somebody else's path. And, 
And I went over to his house after church, went over, and I parked in his driveway. And his son-in-law and daughter had, you know, they had been to church the past couple of weeks. They were staying over there, and, and you know, they had been in AA and all that kind of stuff, and they were quit drinking and all that, and they still smoked. And so I was sitting up there, and Harry, Brother Harry lit one up, you know, and he smoked one. I pulled one out, lit it up, you know. We're sitting there on the edge of the truck and talking about whatever, you know, and farming or whatever. And, and I didn't even know they were over there. And here he come, he's walking out, and he saw me with that cigarette, and, and I could tell he looked and he went, you know, it's like it caught him off guard. I mean, in his mind, that's not even a possibility that I could smoke. In his mind, man, I, you know, because I, I was the head of the church, even though I wasn't a, a pastor or nothing, but the whole church, man, I, I, I did everything in the church other than preaching in the pulpit. I set the church up. I mean, man, I was on fire for God. I had the Holy Ghost, buddy. I mean, man, I, God was my life, my world, man. I was really, you know, coming into a, a, a close, close walk with God. But I just couldn't put them daggum cigarettes down. And I, I noticed immediately when he saw it, you know, my heart just sunk. My countenance fell. His countenance fell. And I immediately replied. I said, yeah, I said, I need to quit these stupid things. I said, they just got me bound, man. I just need to quit them. I, I, I just got to quit these things. And Harry, of course, said, yeah, me too. You know, we need to quit them. I said, yeah. Anyway, he said, yeah, me too. You know, and he pulled the cigarettes out and he was lighting one up. He said, yeah, yeah, bad things. I said, yeah. I left there. I was so upset with myself. And I put it off on God, of course, you know. But I was so disappointed. I was furious. I was furious at myself, really. But I, I just put it on God. And I, I just told him, I just, man, I, I'm surprised God didn't just kill me right there. But I said, see what you did. Look what you did now. I'm talking to God. Look what you've done. Whew, boy, thank God for long-suffering because... Man, you know. And I, I just... I said, that's it. I said, I've waited on you to help me quit. I said, I know you don't want me to smoke. I know you don't want me to smoke. It ruins my testimony. It ruins everything. I, I'm over here and I'm, they're looking up to me. I mean, the man did not hate me or anything. Or he didn't think I'm a low-life scumbag or nothing. But his his opinion of me just dropped from here to here. Just like that. Your testimony is all you got. It's your account of, I mean, huh? You know, brother, I went in, and my wife will remember the day. I come in, I almost slammed that door off the hinges. I was so furious. I come in, bam! I slammed that door. I ain't kidding you. I'm wondering it didn't just... Falling pieces. I slammed the hinges off that door, boy. I said, that's it. She said, I mean, it scared her. She didn't know what the heck was going on, what she, what was about to happen. She said, what, 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 what's going on, what's going on? I said, that's it. She said, what? I said, I quit. Quit what? I said, smoking. She said, oh. Like, oh yeah, right. I never touched another cigarette in my life. But she didn't know it then. Buddy, I went to bed. 
I said, I'm going to bed. After we got him to church that evening or whatever, I, or whatever, I don't know what was going on, but anyway, I went, went to bed whenever church and everything was done. I'm going to bed. Didn't he meet? Got up the next morning when I usually smoke five cigarettes, ten cigarettes before I even got out of bed, you know. Oh, man, did I want a cigarette, boy. But I got up. I fought my way to Nashville. And, buddy, all the way there, I was saying, why in the world are you doing this to me, God? I ain't, you ain't going to make me smoke. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. I'm doing it without you. I don't, you know, I told God, I said, you know what? I don't need your help. I don't need you. I'll do it myself. I tried to get you to help me. You don't want to help me? I'll do it myself. I'm talking to God like this. And I said, you know what? I said, you know, people kill themselves over this kind of stuff. I said, but you know what? Whatever. You don't want to use me, don't use me. If I kill myself, I kill myself. But I ain't going to smoke a cigarette, I can tell you that. I could see God up here going. I could see, I could see Michael and Gabriel doing this. Come on, God. No. Just give me one second. Turn, just look that way for just a second. But God just said, He'll get over himself in a minute. Yeah. He's going to realize what an idiot he is in a minute. Just give it, give it a little time. He'll trip over himself here in a minute. Well, you know what? I used to wear my top pocket in my Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly why that deal's on the door out there, because there's a lot of people that try to do that. Yeah. But see, you can't bring in strangers, cigarettes or strangers, to God. God didn't create that mess. Man did. Man took things that God created and made something else out of them. God didn't create marijuana to smoke it. God created that stuff for other things. Man found out he could do something different with it. God didn't create women for what's being done with women today. I'm going to tell you something. God didn't create men to do the things they're doing today, but they found a whole new fangled way to take something God made for good and turn it to the bad. And so, long story short, I never wanted something so bad in my life. And after three days, I was on my way to Nashville. And I wanted a cigarette so bad, I was absolutely losing my mind, man. And I had quit for two two weeks at a time years before, different times before, several times. It wasn't no problem at all. But because I had made my mind up this time, two, three days, it, I mean, I'd have killed somebody, man. They'd even said the wrong, if they'd even said good morning, sir, the wrong way, I'd have probably cut their head off, man. It's just that because you, you just, it's like a fast day. You go without eating sometime two days. don't even realize you missed a meal. But somebody says fast, it's like two hours into it, you're like, Oh my God! Oh my God! I'm starving to death! I'm not going to make it! You know, I need to go to the hospital! i got to go to the hospital right now! You know. Yes, it's a life without food. It's all... See, and that's where I was. And you know what? I said, God, I screamed at the top of my lungs driving down uh, I-40 East and, and Buddy right into town and... Right there at the airport, I said, God, why are you doing this to me? At the top of my lungs, and it hit me. And I stopped a minute, and I just pulled over to the side of the road, right on the interstate. Right on the Donaldson Pike Bridge, right there. And I said, God, 
forgive me. This ain't you doing this. I'm the one who started this mess. You didn't start me on this path. I'm the one who put me on this path. And devil, this is you doing this to me. You're trying to keep me bound with this mess. I said, but let me tell you something, devil. I'm done with cigarettes. I'm not going to smoke another cigarette as long as I live on this earth. In Jesus' name, I'm done. Get behind me, Satan. I will never smoke another cigarette again in my life. And boom, right then, right then, as miraculous as anything I've ever seen in my life, it left. Right then, God took that desire. God said, devil. He showed it to me later what he did. He took that sin and said, okay, it is enough. Take that and don't ever come at him with that cigarettes again. And he never has. Not one time have I ever been tempted to pick a cigarette up since that day. That's been a long, long time ago. Amen. And you know what? She saw it all. Never wanted another cigarette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to tell you God has rules look what he said you brought strangers into my sanctuary strangers uncircumcised in heart notice how he put that first uncircumcised in heart means that you still got a calloused over heart you still have the foreskin of the heart that's covering the heart to where God's word, will, and way cannot penetrate your calloused heart. It is covered. It's not exposed. We need to have our heart completely exposed to God that He can write upon our hearts His word, His will, His way, His holiness, His righteousness, His purity. He said, you brought them uncircumcised in heart, people that... The people that, I don't believe you have to do all that. Oh, no, well, this is how we do it. No, no, you know, this is how we do it. This is how Baal does it. This is how this does it. And this is how the, this is how the Grove, you know, does and all this kind of stuff. This is how Asteroth does it. See, he ain't worried about all that. You want that? Go get it. But if you're going to be part of his flock, you ain't going to, listen, nobody's coming into his, into his sanctuary that's uncircumcised in heart. That's unteachable. Somebody that's uncircumcised in heart is somebody that's unteachable. They know it all. You can't teach them anything. And uncircumcised in flesh. Somebody help me out right there. Why? What does that mean? What does it mean that he didn't want somebody uncircumcised in flesh? Sister Tara, you got that? I got the answer. Look in your eye. Come on. It was the cut. That's right. It was the token of the covenant. Amen. It was that that foreskin and the cutting thereof and the blood that was shed because of it was the consummation of the covenant. That the, the uh, 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 circumcision was the token. Everybody that came into the congregation, no matter if they were 8 to 80, blind, crippled, or crazy, they had to come from, from birth. Amen. They had to be circumcised if they were a male. Amen. Because that was entering in, that was the entrance into covenant 
with God. And the blood shed thereof was the, was the consummation of it. Because all covenants in God are consummated just like the blood of the virgin. Amen. She's supposed to be untouched when they are married. And they still in that part of the country, everybody waits outside the bedchamber and they come out with that bloody sheet. And it's to show that blood is the consummation of the marriage between the man and the wife. And if there's no blood, she's probably going to die. And the family, oh my Lord, buddy, her daddy and them, they might die for bringing her into marriage with their pure son. You know. Now, so, okay, so he said, you don't bring people that's, that's unteachable into my con- get back up there. You don't bring people that's unteachable and people that are not in covenant. That's the entering in. You see? That's the entering in. That's how you enter in. So remember, I've told you, you can be sitting in the house of God, but you ain't part of the house of God until you're in covenant. See? No piece of paper, nothing like that makes you part of the church. You don't become the church to become the bride. You become the bride to become the church. And until you marry Him, you're not the church. You can call yourself a church all day long. You can say, I'm, I, yeah, I'm so-and-so church. I'm so No, you're not. You ain't part of the church of the living God until you take on the name of the King because He's the head of the church. Until you marry Him, you ain't part of the family. Hello? People don't like that. Because they want to stand on the outside. We will, we will, uh, 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 we will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel, but uh, uh, only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. There will be seven women to one man. The Bible's very clear on all this stuff. See how the Bible works? Now, and what did he say you can't do that for? To be in what? My sanctuary. Again, it's not our sanctuary. You ain't bringing somebody to your church. You're bringing somebody to God's house. You're bringing somebody into the house of the Lord. You need to understand, this ain't a social club, honey. This is the house of a holy God. And when you bring somebody in here, you got to check with God to see if it's all right with Him. It ain't matter, doesn't matter whether it's all right with you. What matters is what did God say about it. Praise God. He said, you're bringing them uncircumcised in flesh to be in my sanctuary. What happens when they come into it? To pollute it. Even my house. Does that sound like God's happy about it? Does that sound like come one, come all? Can we all just get along? Can we all sing kumbaya? No. He said it pollutes it, even my house. When ye offer the bread, the fat and the blood. What's he saying? What's he saying right here about this right here? The fat and the blood. And that ye have broken my covenant, but they have broken my covenant because of all your, of all your abominations. So what's he saying? What does this mean right here? When ye offer the bread, the fat and the blood. Okay, elaborate. Nope. No, sir. Look at it. Look at it close. <clears throat> Y'all know this. Look at it close. You just got to look at it, though. You got to look at it for a minute. Listen to what the uh, uh, the spirit of the word is saying. Listen to what the the voice of the word is saying. 
Okay, let me help you right here because y'all are tap dancing all around it. You're, and you know it. You know this stuff. But let me help you right here. Okay, let me drop a thought in your mind here. Okay, so look what it says. You're bringing these people unteachable. You're bringing people that's not in covenant to be in my sanctuary to pollute it. Even my house. The place where you're, where the people of God, holy people, are the ones that are being the house of God. Not people that are unteachable. Not people that are not in covenant. But you're bringing them in the midst of our house where we're congregated together. You're here to worship me. You're here to hallow me. You're here in a holy place amongst me, a holy God who has delivered you, who has kept you, who has led you through the wilderness by a way that you knew not, who has given you water in the desert, manna from heaven. And he said... And you come to offer my bread, holy bread. You offer sacrifices to me, a holy consecration going on, taking place. You're offering, you're taking the bread, you're taking the fat and the blood, those things that are supposed to be sacrificed to me as a holy token, a holy consecration and giving it to the dogs. And while doing that, you're also, which is worse than any of it, telling them it's okay to do that. You're teaching them there ain't nothing wrong with it. Isn't all this about teaching? Isn't all this about learning what God's will is and is not? Everybody see it? You see the word? (laughs) <laughs> it is you were tap dancing all around it. <laughs> That's called plausible deniability right there. That's yeah. <laughs> he's turning he's turning liberal as we speak. Amen. Now, so he says, and ye offer my bread and fat of the blood, and ye offer my bread, the fat and the blood, and they have broken my covenant because of all your abominations. He says, you know what? You cause them to sin. You're putting a stumbling block before them. You're causing them to sin because of your arrogance. You're undisciplined because of your disobedience. Your abominations. What you're doing is abominable. Not enough that it's abominable to me, uh, to me, which you're going against my express written word, but you're teaching other people to do it also. Which the Lord, of course, many times in the word says, but teaching, he talked about that with homosexuals and things too. He says, not enough that you do these things, that they do these things, but they also love them that do them. You know, I mean, So it's not enough that you're doing these things, but you're teaching others also to do the same thing. You're teaching them it's okay to do it. I didn't say it was okay. You know what? That's a false, that's false prophecy. It's false prophet as well. Because he said, you come and say, Jesus said, do this and do this. He said, I didn't say that. Not, it didn't even enter into my mind. He said, you tell them people that they need to sacrifice their children. He said, hey, these prophets are telling them to sacrifice their babies and all that thing and, uh, and, and, and sending them through the fire to Molech and all these other people, all these other gods. He said, hey, I didn't, I didn't tell nobody to do that. Neither did it enter into my mind at any time. 
to do such a thing. <laughs> he says, you said, the Lord said, the Lord said, I didn't say that. <laughs> That's what gets me about these people who think to call themselves prophets. The Lord said, no, He didn't. I got everything He said right there. That ain't in there. <laughs> and so because of that, we cause other people to fall and stumble. You got to be careful what you teach, folks, man. It's bad enough if you don't believe it. If it's written right there, it's right. It's bad enough if you go against that. That's bad enough. But if you teach that mess to somebody else, their blood's going to be on your hand. Because they come out of covenant. Why? Because of your abominations. Our abominations. You see? Amen. Whew. Man, this is going to turn into a long message. Here. And ye have not kept the charge. This is one thing that gets me about preachers today. And you know preachers just like this too. They get that mesoglioma syndrome. They start getting that you know, well, you know, I've got more important things to do now. Okay, little childrens. Now, y'all stay here and keep the house now. Make sure you pick your toys up when you leave and all. And I'm going to be gone for a few days, but you can make it without me because we're going to let little junior preacher over here take over. Y'all make him feel real good. Say lots of amens and hallelujahs. And, and make sure y'all make him feel welcome and real good while we're over in Disneyland chasing, uh, 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 you know, Dumbo and Goofy. And ye have not kept charge of mine holy things. You know what? That's why God calls men to the pulpit. He gives his pastors charge of his holy things. Amen. And you know what? You better keep them, buddy. Because as you can see right here, he don't take that lightly. You better not. I can tell you because he's not. Look what he said. But ye have set keepers of my charge. In my sanctuary. See how he's, see how he's making sure you understand that it's his charge that he delegated to you. Let me ask you a question. Parents and those that have not crossed this particular threshold yet, but will stick around and watch. How you say, okay, uh, son or daughter, mom and I's got some things to do. And while we're gone, you're in charge. Ever been there? Ever been there? Ever done that? You're in charge. What does that mean? When I come back, anything that's wrong, you're going to the ones going to pay for it. Okay? Now, that ain't how it always pans out. Because I can tell you, what, everybody, everybody starts showing who they come from then. You start seeing Adam show up real quick when, they, when you come back and it's all destroyed. But you come back and, and you're like, <laughs> what, what, what happened? What happened? What happened to the house? Uh, well, see now, what had happened was, didn't I leave you in charge? Of that? Well, but Dad, let me tell you what happened to me one time. My youngest daughter, my oldest daughter. I probably told y'all this, but just act real surprised. You do that so well. My oldest daughter always, they hated each other. My youngest daughter and my oldest daughter hated each other. They always wanted to, the oldest daughter always wanted to get the little one in, in trouble. But she knew she came tattling, huh? Yeah, they worked both ways. Yeah, they hated each other. And 
they were jealous of each other. They wanted more attention and they wanted to be the, you know, top dog, whatever. Anyway, so both of them knew. Of course, you know me being the pushover pacifist that I am. But besides all that, yeah. So they, uh, they knew if they came straight at me with some nonsense that I wasn't going to be a happy camper because homie don't play that. So my, uh, my oldest daughter comes in. She's probably 12, 14, maybe at that point. She comes in. She says, Dad. I said, yes. She says, we need to call an exterminator. I said, excuse me? She said, we have got to get an exterminator right now. I said, really? Well, we've never had a problem with anything, and we do have an exterminator that comes by every now and then. Now, what, uh, why, pray tell, would we need an exterminator so urgently? She says, evidently we have a sheetrock bugs. I said, what? Sheetrock bugs. Yep. I said, what would make you think we have sheetrock bugs that I've never heard of in my life? But she says, Dad, I was in Christian's room all ago, and there are a hundred million holes in her walls all over her room. I said, really? She said, oh, yes. There is quite an infestation of sheetrock bugs in there. So I got up. So I went in there and I looked at her walls. And my littlest one, she was about probably, I don't know, eight, seven. She had taken a tack and poked literally a million holes in her walls all over the room. Nicest painted room in the entire house. I did it myself. Yeah, it was you know, kind of a fuchsia color, but it had fancy stuff in, fancy ceiling fan. It was real, real nice. Anyway, so, <laughs> I just looked at my oldest daughter and I just laughed. I said, man, I said, boy, that was slick. I mean, that was slick right there. I had a little sympathy. Of course, I did get on my youngest daughter, but I did have sympathy because I was her. And my oldest sister, of course, you know the story how she tried to get me killed several times in my life. So, But I did I did tell her, I said, man, I'm going to tell you what, that was slick. I mean, that was slick. i got to give you credit. I mean, that, that, that was really smooth, Jack. I mean, she just went... Anyway, church, he said, you've not kept the charge. What does it mean, not kept the charge? What's the key word? Kept. Kept. That's right. God didn't give the charge to just anybody. He gave it to one man. And they didn't keep what God gave to them. They passed it off. 
They handed it off to somebody else. They delegated what God gave to them. Now, this ain't like just passing the Word of God around. This ain't like Paul teaching and saying, you need to give this to men that you can trust that we'd be able to teach others also. No. This is keeping the charge of his house. It'd be like me passing my pulpit to somebody else. That ain't going to happen. God gave me the charge of this house. And it ain't mine to give. Heard somebody ask Brother Bain one time. He said somebody needed a little money or something. And they knew the church had some money. His church, you know, had some money in the bank. I mean, you know, he's real diligent about keeping that kind of stuff straight, you know. And uh, he said, well, they wanted some money. But he said, I just told him. I said, ain't mine to give. A guy tried to rob him one time. He was working for a store. I think I told you all that. Tried to rob Brother brother Bain. He was keeping the store for a guy. And, uh, and a guy come in to rob him. Pulled a gun out, stuck it in his face and said, give me that money. All the money in the register, he said, I can't do it. He said, what? Give me that money in that register. He said, no, sir, I can't do that. I got a gun. You see this? I got a gun. I'm going to shoot you, man. He said, well, you're just going to have to shoot me. He said, I can't do that. What's wrong with you, man? What do you mean you can't do it? He said, well, that ain't my money to give. That ain't my money. I can't give you that. He said, I'm going to kill you, man. And he said, son, why would you want to do something like that to me? Have I done something to offend you? No, man, you ain't done nothing to offend me. Give me that money, man. He says, I can't do that, son. Now, why would you do something like that to this poor fellow that owns this store? This man, this man poured Job's turkey. So am I. He said, you know, he can't. For that, you know, I mean, why would you do like that? Why would you do something like that? Before it's over, that man was crying, asking Brother Bain to forgive him, and you know, please forgive me. I'm sorry. He said, "Well, that's all right, son. I'm gonna pray for you." Another time, they stole all his equipment. After one of the people in his church took half, three quarters of the people out of his church, all his musicians, and left, started his own church. That's the guy the trailer house fell on. Yeah. But uh anyway. Yeah. He started his own church. His dog was under his daughter's trailer house, leveling it up, fell on and killed him. Good preacher too, boy. Old boy could preach, but he killed him. Anyway, uh the uh That had just happened recently, and then and at that time, and then uh, and then somebody come in, and stole all his music equipment, everything he had, all the stuff on stage, you know. And boy, everybody in the church was livid, son. I mean, it's country, man. I mean, they're like, man, let's go find these people, let's kill them, you know. He said, no, no. He said, evidently, them people needed it more than we did. We just pray that the Lord. Cause all that to bless them. And uh, maybe maybe somebody will get some use out of it, you know. Let's just pray for them, you know. And, of course, everybody was like, oh, I'm going to pray for them. 
I got some for him. I don't know if I'd spell it prayer, but, you know, he's country folks, man. And uh, he said, no, I want everybody to pray for him. And about a week later, they come back to church and all that music equipment sitting on the steps. Great big porch out there, you know, underneath the awning and everything. He got a big entrance and a big side entrance, too. All that music equipment stacked up there just as nice and neat. He said, well, folks, praise the Lord. Let's get all that equipment in here and set it back up. Yeah. He said, ye have not kept the charge of my holy things, but ye have set keepers of my charge in my sanctuary for yourselves. See a problem with that? That's a problem, isn't it? That's a big problem. Thus saith the Lord God. Okay, here we go. Here's the law. No stranger. Everybody say, no stranger. Uncircumcised in heart, nor uncircumcised in flesh. In other words, nobody that has an unteachable spirit, nobody that is not in covenant or planning to get in covenant immediately with God, shall enter into my sanctuary. What is his sanctuary? It's not only this place, but it's his, it's his place of rest. It is the place where everybody comes into and they are safe. It's that strong tower. Amen. It is that place where we find that peace that surpasseth all understanding. He said, None shall enter into my sanctuary of any stranger that is among the children of Israel. Now, notice, that doesn't just necessarily mean strangers of the land. But even if there's people that are considered to be strangers that are of the people of Israel. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians just just as much of a stranger in the house of God as Lucifer himself. Amen. Where are we at, brother? Cancel it right there. My goodness, it's going to be a 